All right. Welcome back to the Dirt and Vert podcast uh, with East Coast Adventures. I'm David. And I'm Matt. We got a special guest today, Andrew Nelson. I'm going to let Matthew take us off today. So, Andrew, um, I guess you're a seasoned runner. Would you, would you say that? Somewhat. Uh, uh, looking at your uh, ultra sign up, you got a got a pretty uh, pretty long list here. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, how did you get into running? Like, what what changed you? What what made you get into it? I started running in high school, middle school, and high school, but kind of fell out of it after I graduated. And then when I was 29, I weighed about 270 pounds. I decided I needed to do something different. So I went out to the track and did a five-mile run-walk, you know, run the run the straights and walk the curve. I got that runner's yep. high. And it kind of made me want to get back into it. So uh, what year was that, or how old were you? 2017. Yeah, I was 29. Okay. So, uh, where are you uh, originally from, or where do you live at? Uh, Central Kentucky. Central Kentucky. So, I guess no business is kind of just right down the road from you? Yeah, the the midpoint of the Deltoe Trace is about 15 minutes from my house. So That's that's easy training ground. Yeah, dude, that's like home turf training, isn't it? Yeah, I got. I had a little bit of an advantage. I <laughs> blue heron in about an hour fifteen, and then um, the harder parts to get into about an hour and a half, hour forty. That's well, um, so for all everyone that doesn't know, Andrew just finished the No Business One Hundred, and Andrew has a really cool story. If you if you look at his No Business One Hundred career, I guess uh, you, you've ran the race what twice. Three. or three times three yeah. times um so what i do know is the last two years you podiumed both years <laughs> now the the other time that you ran it how what was your finishing time on it did you do as well fourth place i got passed in the last 10 miles that's kind of like what you did to me last year yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because I had a couple of really good runners right behind me going into the finish. Well, so last year, Andrew podiumed. He finished second place uh, right in front of me. He actually passed me. I remember this vaguely because I had not seen anybody in hours. And then a gentleman with a pacer comes flying by me at about mile 80-ish, 75, 80, somewhere around in there. And uh, I I was like, wow. Uh, so when I get to the end, I meet Andrew. And then this year, Andrew finished third place. So back-to-back years, got the double buckle, and podiumed both years. So that's that's pretty impressive, man. And and what was your what was your finishing time this year? 22.35. And what was it last year? 21.51. Yeah. And then 2019 was a 22.04. But it was a lot easier in 2019. Because they had so a, being a being a veteran of the race, which direction you think's harder, the direction we just did or last year? Last year, but not by much. I mean, it's, <laughs> neither way be. No, hundred miles is never easy. Period. So, what was your? Did you do any type of training different? So, can you tell us a little bit about your training last year? And if you did any different training this year and, you know, how you prepared for the race? Last year, I was able to get in a lot more miles and a lot more workouts up until about five weeks before the race. Um, I took a fall helping my dad build an extension onto his dock. And I took a two by ten to the ribs and um, most likely broke my ribs. And that kept me out from many real running for about five weeks before the race. I actually didn't have a pain-free run until the week of the race last year. But uh, I was in, I had a lot more training leading up to it than I did this year. How many, how many miles were you averaging a week back then? Probably 80. That's, I mean, that's pretty good training block. And yeah. And this year, this year you weren't 
close to that? No, I had an injury in March that kept me out until June. And I got back going in June and put in a few good weeks, but nothing compared to last year. I did get in a few 80, 90 mile weeks, but nothing like I had last year going into last year. So I was kind of hesitant on uh, going out with the lead pack this year. Yeah, I, I I went out with the lead pack for the first three miles and then just wasn't feeling it from there. So <laughs> I had a really rough day out there. This direction, you can't really sit back too much because of that route, the creek crossing pretty early and then the creek bottom single track. If you start towards the back, you're going to be in a conga line. Yeah, that's what I was concerned about. So the direction we ran this year, you start out and you run down the gravel road into a field and then a gravel road a little bit longer and then you just cut down a mountain and you run right into a creek mm. and if you're if you're not you know in the middle of the pack or the front of the pack you're gonna like andrew just said you're gonna get caught in a conga line and, and that's okay if you're if you're not trying to place in like the top 10 but if you are that's the last thing you want to do is get caught behind some people that you know their their goal is just to finish yeah and because they're going to walk. How long is that section? It's a pretty good little section. I mean, it's about, is it what, what was it, Andrew? About three, two and a half, three miles to get to it. And then it's maybe all in all, it's less than a half a mile to get down the hill and across the river, I think. Yeah. Not even a half, probably. What, quarter? Yeah. And then after that, you got quite a bit of track. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you just don't want to get caught to get in the back. There. Gotcha. So what was your lowest point in the race this year? Right before Laurel Hill, which going up into that, that aid station from either direction is hard because you've got that big climb. And then the thought process of I'm really tired and I've got a long way to go still kind of started creeping into my head. So, so how did you, how did you convince yourself to keep running? Oh, I had pierogies and a pacer. <laughs> Is that like the keys to the kingdom there? Pierogies sound pretty good. From Ledbetter on to the finish, I went into every aid station yelling, do you have pierogies? Uh, Is that your food of choice? Yeah. I had never had one until last year. And somebody asked me if I wanted one. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try anything at this point. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know what a pierogi was last year. No, I didn't until Spring Hill aid station. <laughs> that, that is like a stuffed show, right? Tell him what a pierogi is. Matt still don't that's know what, what a pierogi is. That's what I'm thinking when I think about it, like a stuffed kind of show. Yeah, it's like a ravioli stuffed with mashed potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun. That's what I was thinking in my head. You get, you get pasta and you get mashed potatoes. So was that your only low moment or did you have quite a few? No, that was pretty much it. Yeah. there was. After that, I did I had... I had a pacer. Kevin Lashley got me to uh, Bandy. And then I thought it was too far up to get anybody else. So I was just kind of cruising along until Sawmill, with, which is about mile 88. Um, and then I caught up to the fourth place guy there. And by the time I was going into the A station, my crew was yelling at me that third place was seven minutes ahead of me. So I kind of had to kick in the rear end to keep going there keep me from hitting any low points yeah well you finished strong you you made a huge charge so did you have a strategy going into the race were you were you like holding back the first 50 to run harder in the last 50 or were you just just doing whatever you could do definitely the from the top of the hill at duncan to the finish i knew it was most of the runnable miles of the course so i kind of kept saying to myself, just be able to run at Duncan, which is at mile 62. And yeah. so once I got there, I kind of started trying to get going. But, Would you say that you're a better climber or better just like all out runner, just on the flats, just getting it? It has to be slow, rugged terrain for me to do well. Yeah, these guys that I'm running with, if we were on a flat marathon, they'd post me. But... Mm -hmm. If it's slow and technical and soft ground and a lot of rocks, I, I prefer that. 
Well, obviously, I mean, you did great every time you ran this race. And when me and Matt ultra sign up stalked you, you've had some, some really good finishes. It looks like you ran, uh, the pistol back in the day. You had a pretty good time in it too. Uh, what was it? The 50 K and four hour something. Four oh seven. I was actually, I just kind of filled out in that one and didn't go all out. And then I hopped in and paced a friend of mine. He was doing the hundred afterwards. So that was just your warm up run to go help him to help pace him. Yeah, he wound up doing in seventeen hours and some pain. Oh wow. That course is fast. Yeah, it is. That's a ten mile loop that if you do the hundred mile you'll never forget it. So uh going back to no business real quick, what advice would you give to a new runner? Um so, you know, we've got some people that listen to this that have talked about wanting to run no business. Myself included. Yep. Mr. Mr. Williams here. Um, but what advice would you give to a new person going out to no business that's going to run it next year? Don't get in a hurry and don't trust the lap splits that your watch is giving you. Because you'll be at a full run and look down and it'll say you're doing an 18 or 20 minute mile when it isn't right. Those, uh, there's just so much tree cover and so many rock shelters and things that messes with you, messes with the GPS. Yeah, I noticed that a few times too. Uh, mine would say like 27 minutes <laughs> when I would look, uh, when I saw my Strava, it was more like 13 minutes, and I was like, oh, I wasn't walking as slow as I thought I was. Oh, yeah, you, you thought you were just dying and you're really running 13 minute pace, yeah. that'd get to your head, yeah. Well, and what was interesting this year, though, is it just literally, it poured rain all night before the race. So all those leaves, you know, had fallen on the ground. All the bridges were covered in leaves. They were slick. I mean, that's what happened to me at mile 50. Uh, right going up to Laurel Hill, I fell on that bridge. Um, you know, there was like a platform in front of it or something. I can't remember exactly. It was dark, but I just remember I fell on that bridge, made it up to Laurel Hill, and I pulled the plug. That's uh, the first 100-miler I've never finished. That would have been my 10th one and uh, got my first DNF. But I got to wait now, Andrew. I got to wait till 2025 to go back to get this double buckle. Maybe this one I'll go, 2025. It won't be next year. No, you got to run it next year and 2025, and we'll get the double buckle together. 2025 and 2026. Tell him, Andrew, he needs to sign up now. Well, yeah. You got <laughs> what's what's next on your radar? I think the, the next A race is the pistol. I'm going to try hmm. for that. What distance are you doing? The 100K. 100K. Yeah, see. You're not gonna you're not gonna do the double barrel. Try to do both. I can't handle that much pavement. <laughs> I understand. I feel uh, when we did Ball State this year, I pretty much have decided I won't run on pavement for a really long time for the rest of my for the rest of this year and possibly even next year. That was that was rough. That's an awful business. It's a soft, soft trail. Yeah, that's just such a beautiful trail too, though. For people that have never ran it, I mean, Big South Fork and all that. It's it's just a it's a super pretty area. The trails are are runnable. I mean, yeah, they're rocky, and you know, there's there's some pretty decent climbs in there. But I mean, it's it's almost all runnable. And there isn't a bad part of the course. The no, time. just that mile, just that nine mile stretch with no aid after Laurel Hill. That's a pretty that's a pretty rough stretch. But other than that, it's pretty good. Yeah, and you end it with the uh, Duncan climb. <laughs> yep. What what elevation did your watch tell you you had? It was like twelve thousand. Yeah, uh, I think it's like I think it's more like really fourteen. I think's what Brian said, but pretty much anywhere you run out there, you get about one hundred fifty feet a mile, one hundred forty. Mm. Now, does anybody else in your family run, Andrew? My dad did years ago but it was before ultras were even a thing around here so oh. did boston four times i deal but never never any ultras hey boston's pretty impressive though 
He yeah. must have been pretty fast on the road. It must be where you get your speed from. <laughs> what little speed I got. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us a little bit then. Let's uh, if pistols next on the radar. What does that? What does that training block look like? What do you What do you got in mind if you're going for road? You've, you're going from trail to road. So, are you going to start working on speed? And what What do you think your training is going to look like for that? I'm hoping to do a lot more workouts throughout the week. Get back into that. I didn't haven't done any really since last spring. So some longer threshold efforts and try to get my mileage up consistently in that 80, 90 mile range. Try to really rededicate myself to getting ready for the race. Do you do, do you block threshold runs? Is that kind of your thing? Yeah, that's the confidence builder. Run. I really enjoy those. Well, we were, uh, so we were ultra signup stalking you. Yep. And uh, I did notice a few races on here I was going to ask you about. Um, so Norris Damn Hard Trail Race, you did uh, the 50K. You had a really good finish on it, five hours and 31 minutes. Now, that race has got a lot of elevation. Yeah. Is that – so yeah. did you – I just have a question for you. So when you know you're doing – like you were just talking about threshold runs for your – pistol training do you do the same thing for trail races too when you're getting ready for those do you do you practice a lot of threshold runs or do you focus more on climbing when i had my best finish and at cricket creek and a couple of years ago i was doing a lot of long threshold runs and that really got me ready for it so and last year i did some shorter stuff before no business and then this year i had no workouts at all so I'm kind of going the wrong direction. So I'm trying to get back to that. <laughs> well, I understand that. It's it's easy to let some of those little things slip. You know, that's you have some good races, you start racing, and then life happens. Mm -hmm. But we'll get back problem. to it. What's the so I see on here you finished fourth place at Falls 100. What is Falls 100? I've never heard of this race. It's no longer a race. It got replaced by Crooked Creek because they couldn't keep it going in the place it was at. It was mm -hmm. at um, Western Kentucky Falls of Rust. And uh, it was actually a closer to 105 mile race. But they got to do it twice. The first year, it came a monsoon the night before. Three, four inch rain, and it's on four-wheeler trails so they were destroyed and then oh, during another rain, so there was only 21 of us in the race and three of us finished and that was the year i, I got second place of the 3341 <laughs> it was that bad well wow. i mean you were going to be top three if only three people finished so that's pretty that's pretty impressive three out of 21 yeah second to last and second to first uh, and it was my first hundred mile finish, and the uh, other two guys that finished with me had done races like Cruel Jewel, stuff like that, and were really just strong runners. So I was I was excited that I got to finish with them. But Will oh, Rivera, yeah. it. Will Rivera, yeah, yeah, yeah he's a good runner. He was rolling at that time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's kind of like me and my first 100 miler. So I didn't know what I was doing, and I just get online, and I'm looking at buckles. I'm not looking at trails. I'm like, I, you know, like what buckle do I like? I think and, you still do that. Yeah, I do. That's true. That's <laughs> how I ended up at Blood Rock. That's exactly but, how you um, ended up at Blood Rock. My very first 100 miler was Warhammer. I and, uh, well. I can understand why it's, it was a hard race. I, I wanted to DNF it. I walked about half of it, um, got lost, man, I got lost, but there was a lot, what I didn't realize when I signed up for the race, I didn't know it was going to be on like the Daniel Boone national byway and, and all those four wheeler trails and all that. And also there was like, if I remember, I just been a long time, but there was an absolute insane amount of road running. 
Yeah. Uh, I want to think it was like 30 plus miles on the road total. Um, yeah. And I wasn't prepared for any of that. I mean, I didn't, hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. Dude, when I, when I did this Warhammer, I showed up with, I went to Walmart and I bought a, just whatever pack they had, <laughs> rinsed it out with water, filled it up with water, completely with water, and took off running. And about halfway through my first aid station section, I started pouring water out, dude. I was like, this, this isn't happening. I was like, what have I done? And uh, it, it was just a, I ended up finishing, but it was rough. Actually, that might have been when I had my first Nathan. Yeah, that's it. That was my first Nathan pack. And it come with like a bladder. I filled that bladder all the way up. I had no idea. So like by the first five miles, I'm like, this isn't happening. Wow. So I learned a lot of the things the wrong way. I don't know if that's how uh, Falls 100. Well, that, you said Falls 100 was your first one, right? My first one, yeah. I attempted Warhammer before that. Yeah. Was uh, you, you attempted Warhammer before Falls 100? Okay. Well, so let's just hear it. Tell us the story. Let's hear about the Warhammer 100. I showed up in Road Shoot. So oh, wow. And I already had a uh, injury to the front of my leg from um, the first 50 mile I'd ever done, the big hurdle, like a few weeks before it. And uh, I I was not prepared at all. I didn't know what I was getting into. I finished with a dog. I stopped at mile 60 with a dog bite and a sprained ankle. So what year was that? <laughs> what Was that the first year? Yeah, the first year. Yeah. Okay. So interesting story. When we showed up the second year, which is when I ran it, because I think Will won it the year that you ran it. I remember right. But we show up at the start of the race at that pavilion or whatever. I can't remember exactly where it was at now. But they started handing us all pepper spray. <laughs> and, and said we had a gentle, a couple of gentlemen get or a couple of people get bit last year. And we had one gentleman that got bit really bad. I don't know if that was you, but they gave every runner a bottle of pepper spray. And people still got bit the second year. Hey, I watched a guy almost get tore up by a boxer, and there was an F-150 came down the road and got between him and the dog, or else he would have been ate alive. That's awful. And that was during the race? During the race, right in front of me. Man, you want to PR your 100-mile or just turn a boxer loose going down? Get out of there. Wow. Yeah. So you uh, messed up, you said messed up ankle and a dog bite. Where the dog bite you at? Right above my ankle. Like, <laughs> all the on I had a sprained ankle and the dog bite within about six inches of each other. Oh, uh, yeah, I would have hung up the towel too. Yep, done with that. That's that's awful. So So redemption then was the Falls 100. Yeah, they were gonna have to pull me off the course, and they almost <laughs> had a thirty-six hour cutoff. So. so you've you've got to have you got to have a story then of something that you learned in this one hundred miler because we all we all do. Like I learned not to fill a three liter bladder up or whatever size that thing was. What what did you learn in that one hundred miler? Just to not give up whenever it got hard and it was i I left the warhammer race feeling like i quit and i didn't want that feeling leaving the fall so it didn't matter how bad it was going to get they were going to have to time me out so but i was down to a crawl at the end i think the last 13 miles took me seven hours and i was moving the whole time uh, what did third place finish in? He was about an hour behind me. Yeah, what place was it? So he, he got, was fourth place. Uh, in the Falls One Hundred. Oh, he was second that year. Yeah. Oh, you've done it multiple years. Yeah, I did. Wow. First, really good guys, Greg Milby and Jeff Proctor put it on. They were 
So it, it went from uh, 33 hours and 40 minutes to uh, just two years later in 24 hours. Yeah. That's well, you a, can't say that was the power of a pierogi. So what was the difference there? Big difference. It was a lot better weather. Was your training better, though? Was that a big key factor? I was able to handle higher mileage. I was able to get in some 80, 90 mile weeks. Is that kind of your, is that your sweet spot? Every, I know every runner is slightly different. Some people, you know, thrive at 50 to 70, some at 80 to 90, some, you know, I mean, you take Chris Damon, he's, you look at his Strava today, he's averaging 122 miles a week. So, you know, it's different for everybody. So is 80 to 90 yours? Yeah. Roughly? If I can do 100, I can do it a week or so, and then things start to come apart. And if I do that 50 to 70 range, I honestly will get fat and out of shape. I mean, I'll go <laughs> slow. So. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that they would get fat and out of shape running 50 to 70 miles a week. That's, that's... <laughs> You can see that that is true. So yeah, let's let's talk about that for a minute. So that's one thing we haven't hit on. What you know, I know you had some pierogies and stuff, but going into no business or your other races, what's your what's your typical fueling strategy and what's your hydration of choice? Uh, tailwind. One bottle of tailwind, one bottle of water, and uh Snickers bars. Kids gummy snacks, gels, pretty much anything to grab hold of. That's my one strength I can handle. I, and I have to get usually at least 300 calories an hour. And when I'm doing my best, wow. I'm 400. Are you but counting I'm, your tailwind in those calories? Yeah. Okay. But I'm trying to run with a bunch of guys at 150, 160. It's, I have to get in a lot more calories than they do. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm two to three hundred calories mm-hmm. an hour myself. Uh, I'm I mean, no business last year, and even this year, even though I wasn't running nowhere as fast as I was last year, um, I mean, I was last year I was hitting a goo every twenty minutes. Yeah, I ran out of goos in the first thirty miles, and I had taken almost a box with me. I remember you ordering that box. You said, taking them all. I, I come unglued after that, but yeah, I mean, same. I mean, if you're running hard, two to 300 calories is sweet oh. spot, but I know some people now, man, there, there's a couple of these runners that, you know, they're getting four to 500 calories an hour. And I don't, I don't think my stomach could handle that. Yeah, I, could. Yeah, I guess you could train it, but whew. right now I couldn't handle that much. I'd be throwing up everywhere. More than I already do. I mean, I'm I'm nauseous the whole time trying to get it, but yep. Um, the, if I do that, I can usually hold it. Yeah, you. So you you don't ever try the high fiber stuff while you're running? No. <laughs> high fiber RX bars and like stamen or high fiber tortilla shells. So so have you always used Tailwind? Is Tailwind kind of your kind of your favorite? Uh, Scott Buser introduced it to me in 2019. Right before the I've used it ever since. It works for a lot of people, and everybody's slightly different. I mean, at the end of the day, it's calories and salt. So, (laughs) you know, it's both that you need. Everybody everybody has a different preference on that. So, um, you know, like no business, they use sword. And sword was something I used. That was what I first started with. Um. You know, I can't really drink a whole lot of it anymore, and that's not a knock on sword. It's just I got to have a little variety. You know, I switch my hydration mix every few years just to change it up, and uh, I've always been like that. You know, I got hooked on scratch for a while. I did tailwind. I did sword. Uh, I'm currently using goo roctane. You know, that's the one I'm on right now, and at some point I'll come full circle and come back. (laughs) But it's a, or they'll just keep coming out with new ones and I'll keep trying them. So yep. we'll see. Yep. Um, but you know, it's, it's all different. Matt's hooked on hoist. He, uh, he takes yep. a hoist with him everywhere. Hoist. I think he's pretty much duct taped that bottle to his hand. And that that's who sponsors East coast for our, our events as well as hoist. And, uh, these bottles, this blue raspberry bottle is money. <laughs> I could drink it sucker. I think I went through a case or something at Georgia jewel. 
plus the goo rock team, but you get the hoist and it new life comes. So, so after, after pistol, what else you got? Anything else? You got any goals next year besides pistol you want to do? Southern States 200, but that's what the race morning experience. So it's going to be try to go as hard as I can at pistol and then just hold fitness for Southern States and go out and enjoy it. Well, what's funny, Andrew, is since the start of this podcast, all I've been talking about is that I'm going to run Southern States 200 this coming year. But I've come full circle, and I'm not sure I'm going to run Southern States oh, 200 this year or this coming year. Yeah, so something different, crazy. Yeah, I probably should just quit saying what I'm going to do. But after uh, after the last few weeks, I I've got I think I'm going to do some other things. But Southern States is on my radar, man. David Tosh is a great race director, anyways. You know, I ran. I ran Blood Rock um, last year, and I mean it was just a well put on race. And he's he's such a just a down to earth guy. He's a great race director, and I can only imagine that race is going to be awesome. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to run it. You know, I mean, there's not many point to point two hundred miles this two mile two hundred mile races that are this close to us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you do it, man, let me know. I'm gonna have to come pace you if I don't run it. Yeah, you're welcome. Sir. Yeah, that'd be an honor. I'll show up with Snickers and Tailwind and maybe a pierogi. couple whole bag of pierogies. I'm doing the laundry and she keeps finding Snickers wrappers. I guess I didn't want to be my father too much. Hey, that's what my wife does with uh, my goo wrappers. When I go on my long runs, I'll put them back in my compression shorts. She'll wash it and she'll pull it out. She'll, what is this? I'm like, got to take them out. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's a... <laughs> Right now in southern states, like the, you can tell, they're really going all out trying to get it organized and ready to go, and that's kind of what made me go ahead and sign up for it. Oh, are you already signed up? Yeah. I mean, he's not playing around. Man, I can't even talk Matthew into doing no business, and you already signed up for a Southern States two hundred. I'm impressed, Andrew. So, Andrew, I've got I got big goals next year, bigger uh, than a two hundred miler way bigger than 200 we'll worry about that in a couple of years but it's it's to do four marathons in tennessee the memphis the chattanooga the knoxville and nashville and qualify for boston for 2025 and then we'll we'll go back to these mountain stuff that's that's what i like doing anyway I, well i like running fast but mountain stuff's pretty cool i've done Georgia... when'd you do it uh Knoxville in 2018, Nashville in 2017. Cool. How'd you do? Well, Nashville was my first run coming back from 270 pounds. So it was like four hours and some change. And then uh, Knoxville, I did a 303. Wow, man. That's Knoxville's a hilly course, too. Yeah. Yeah. 303. Yeah, two weeks later, I did my first ultra, Yamacross. Oh, did you really? Yeah. He said he what? He said he wasn't fast on the road. That's pretty fast on the road. Compared hey, to he's Delta. got good genes, man. His dad went to Boston like four times. He only missed it by what? I don't know what the standard was then, but now he only missed it by three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I did, you, did you ever? Did you ever have any desire to want to run Boston? I qualified with the Bowling Green race, but I could have went, but I decided not to. Fifty hmm. six at Bowling Green, but ended up not going. Hopefully, that's what I do next year, and then we'll be back to suffering and climbing mountains and and doing all that fun stuff. So, what uh, what kind of gear do you normally run with, Andrew? Handheld. Do you have a Do you have a certain pack or handheld or anything you you trust the most or I had these little Nike handles that were about 20 ounces that I love. And I can't find them anymore. I think they discontinued them. Mm-hmm. They were my favorite. And then uh, the uh, Ultra Spire Waste Lot, my must have. That thing, especially on no business course with the rocks and the fleet and everything, it's a handy to have. Uh, and then a little $8 Amazon panty pack. I didn't even notice the fanny pack. Did you have it on? 
Yeah, at the start and then the Peters, because I know I was gonna have to go ten miles between Blevins and Peters with only the handhelds for water. So I had a little soap pack of water. And then uh leaving Blue Heron to Bandy, I had a I had it with a little soap bottle of water. Because there was a couple of long stretches there. That's uh so you ran is that the only hydration you used was your handhelds? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to learn with to run with the pack for uh, Southern State, but I'm putting it off as long as I can. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there will be some twenty mile stretches there. Probably, I would imagine it's gonna be hard to. I mean, I just don't know if you can have the manpower to put an aid station every oh, ten yeah. miles. So, well, yeah, I I was listening to that Sally McRae podcast today about her doing the Moab 240, and it was 25 miles with no aid station. And I guess I don't, I don't guess she ran out of water, but you might, miles. Andrew, you might need the pack and the fanny pack. Yeah, and the handhelds. <laughs> and the handhelds. And the handhelds. You may, yeah. you may need it all. So. What I got's got the couple liter bladder and then the big handhelds in the front. Man, what a change that's going to be. So you're going to run a 50K road race. 100K. And then turn, or I'm sorry, a 100K road race and then turn around and run a 200-mile point-to-point trail race. Yeah. That'll be uh, that'll be an interesting training block for you, um, building up to that. You think mm-hmm. you'll, uh, will you will you be doing a lot of, you think you'll do a lot of threshold runs then or are you going to have to do, you're going to practice a lot of walking? That's, that's one thing I wished I would have done at Ball State was, you know, practice walking a little more, but uh, that was not on my radar. I'm like, <laughs> I'm running this race. Yeah. Can't run 300 miles. We tried. I'm going all in on pistol. Try to basically going to be a long marathon training. And then uh, just see what happens at Southern State. They give me four days. I'll use it all if I need it. Is it four days? Is that what the cutoff is? Yeah, four days before I am. So, take my phone along and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could could do it like you ran no business. You literally could run 100 miles in 22 hours, Mm -hmm. sleep for a day. Yeah. Run another 100 miles. (laughs) I think think a man of your stature, Andrew, that's doable. That second 100 would be pretty slow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it would definitely be painful hopefully you don't have to worry about any dogs though no yeah i hope they don't have it like worrying with it yeah someone told me so i didn't know this uh but someone told me at no business we were talking about this um but apparently warhammer's gone they're not doing the 100 miler anymore it's just a 50 mile race and they changed the name oh they changed the name too yeah so what is it? What is it called? I forget what the new name is. Yeah, they had to change the name on all the races because of uh, the fiasco with Rat Alter. Oh, I haven't heard this. I'm, I'm not that sure. Was, they got bought out. Next opportunity did by Rat Alters, and several of my friends paid entry fees and didn't get to run races. And uh, oh. And next opportunity. So did next opportunity get their races back? Did they buy them back? Is that what happened? Yeah, good for them. I mean, at least they take pride in their stuff. I mean, I've ran when I ran Warhammer. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the course was hard. I mean, it was hard. Like that whole course, but it was a hundred mile race. There was aid everywhere there needed to be aid. I mean, the race director's done a good job. The awards and the medals were awesome. I mean, that's what drew me to the race. It was supposed to be hard. I thought the belt buckle was just absolutely amazing. So, you know, <laughs> I was like, I'm getting this belt buckle. And, and I mean, there, Turtle, was, there was no issues. Big Turtle 50 was one of their big races that they always put it on. It's really good race. Um, they took that back over. I think they've renamed it the Shelter Probably Ultras. But I think they kind of decided that their name, the name of the race has been tainted by people's mm. experience. 
under the other other race directors. So they they've changed them a lot. Well, I hate that to take yeah. a to take a good race and let it go go away like that. But at least they're trying to fix it. But that's oh yeah, they'll they'll, they'll be back. yeah. All right, well, I, I got to switch gears here for a minute. Have you ever tried a backyard ultra? No, but I spent the last time working. <laughs> it's still going on, I think. Right? Has it hasn't yeah, it ended? Was, I uh, it was Harvey and Yuri or something. I mean, I'm I don't I feel like those guys probably even know what day it is right now. I can't. Yeah, they look pretty rough. So is that is that motivating you, Andrew? Does that mean that we're going to see Andrew Nelson, the last man standing, next year? Well, maybe it, it might be finishing up as we speak. Uh, the backyard may be finishing up. What about you? Are you you think that uh, you think you're going to try one? One day. Yeah. One day. Got enough on the radar for next year. You, you, you know, have, is there ever any interest in doing like the triple crown of two hundreds? Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. But right now, with the wife and two kids, it's a little too expensive to get out there. Yeah. So you actually, uh, your I guess your son was at the race, right? At no business. Yeah. Yeah, it was his birthday. Yeah, because he. Uh, I think he was running like in and out of the aid stations with you, wasn't he? Yeah. I had, I had, I had one force feeding me applesauce and the other one running in and out with me. So, and you said it was one of them's birthday. Is that what I heard you say? Over 20th. After the race, um, Brian and Shelly stopped and everybody sang them happy birthday at the, at the finish line. That's awesome. Well, I got to say, I mean, spending your birthday in the woods, watching your dad suffer and feeding him applesauces ain't, ain't too bad of a, too bad of a gig. And I'm sure, I'm sure he milked that for all it was worth after the race. They got out of school that day. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah. Cause it was a Friday start. So nice. Yeah. They went around blue heron and gathered up a bunch of coal and took it all back. They had a piece of coal for everyone, their classmates. They had a good old time. How did you enjoy that water section where the bridge was out? Leaving <laughs> and going up that 300 some foot climb with wet feet in that soft, soft dirt. Oh, it was horrible. I think that was my slowest mile the whole race. Yeah. Leaving back out of there was, it was kind of like a, almost a little bit of a death march getting across that water and then up that sand. Uh, and then I actually carried a pair of socks with me. Did you really? Yeah. After I got off the, up the top of the hill, I sat down and put dry, dry socks on. I gave my shoes just a few minutes to dry out and change my socks out. It was, was and it was, what was interesting to me though. And, and, and it's probably just like where I stopped to rest. And I don't know if you noticed this too, Andrew, but on the way in, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't pay no attention to the water. I was right across it, you know, just marched right on through. Way back, that water felt 20 degrees colder to me. Did you notice that? Like, the first time, but the second time I was falling all over myself, too. Yeah, I was, I was sitting there and I was like, Nick was still in the water taking pictures. And he's like, what took you so long? I was like, facing myself, Nick. And I started walking across the water and I was like, man, that is cold. Like, I don't remember that on the way in. Wow. But I, I got a feeling it's going to be like that for a little while because that it's going to take a long time to rebuild that bridge. I had ran, I had ran across it 10 days before the race. And everything seemed fine. I was shocked when they closed it. Yeah, I wonder if it was just because of the sheer volume of people that were going to be going across it potentially at the same time. Maybe. I don't know. What was wrong with it? Like, they deemed it un, oh, uh, unreliable. I guess is what. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they took it. They they actually boarded it up. You couldn't even go on the bridge. Wow. So that's why Brian and them had to put the creek crossing in, and they put a rope across. It really wasn't that bad, though. I mean, the the creek was like 
just i mean he was saying shin deep i mean it was barely over the top of your shoe ankle deep like it wasn't bad at all well we made the blue heron loop a little easier this year i guess to compensate for the added they let us stay up higher on the flat rail trail part instead of going down the river on the single track so that kind of made up for a few minutes of it what they Hmm. but my buddy's got the kom on strava across blue heron the tipple and the first thought i had whenever they closed it down was if that was my last time to do it i should have gave it heck and see if i took it (laughs) well it's not going to be your last time to do it andrew you just got to keep going back they'll open that section back up shortly i guess so you ran the race three times total will you go back one more time to get to to uh double buckles yeah i'll go back yeah i figured i mean you can't you can't just leave one up in the air yeah and i've done it two other times where i paced about 30 some miles on the course with a friend so i mean i've been there five straight years i'll be there in some capacity every year it's just too special right i mean brian shelley have something really special there yeah, and it, I mean they do a great job. It's a well put on race. It really, I mean, it's just a well put on race too, and that helps. And aid stations are perfect, especially Laurel Hill, Vandy. They they get rocking. Well, what's on the radar short term? Crooked Creek. Just Crooked yeah. Creek. When is that? It's a little race outside Louisville. It's a. And when is it? Uh, December. Second or third. So, but I'm just going to do the marathon there and go have fun. Spend some time with some friends. Awesome. Yeah. You going to take take the kids with you so they can crew you? Uh, too cold. <laughs> it is cold that time of year. Nice. Is that the race that has the advertised with the little deer on it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I think I've popped up in my Facebook feed a few times. It's a nice little small town race. So, so what's your what's your favorite race that you've done so far? In all the races you've done, what's your favorite? No business. Yeah, it's got everything. Mm. everything and what's and what's the yeah. hardest race you've ever done? First year of the fall. I mean, I've never been in that rubber shape. I probably never will. <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, well, um, I will end with a few questions here, but uh, I just, I, I got to tell you, like, I'm, I'm really impressed with how you did last year and this year at No Business, man. That's, that's just, a, it's a heck of a, an accomplishment to finish podium two years in a row on a hundred mile race. Um, you didn't get the training you wanted this year, you know, and, and you still powered through it, uh, powered through it with your pierogies and your snicker bar. But, you know, I mean, you made it happen and that's, that's pretty impressive. And hats off to you. We, uh, we really just wish you, wish you the best, especially for, you know, the Southern States 200, man, we'll be following along on that journey. And if you ever want to do a last man standing, you know, us in the long run, we're putting one on now. So just holler at us if you ever want to do one. When is that? Uh, it's November 4th. We're going to do it every year Start going forward, though. It's in Allert, Tennessee. Um, uh-huh. It's called Barn Creek Backyard Ultra. And so East Coast Adventures in the long run, which Ethan and Julia run the long run, Ethan Coffee. So we're going to... Uh, you know, this will be the inaugural year this year, and then going forward, we'll have it every year. But uh, if you ever want to do one, just holler at us. We'll we'll make sure we get you a spot in there. It'll be a good that. good one. I may drive down and check it out. Whenever yeah, if you get time on November fourth, come hang out with us. You can see it. You can talk with, hang out with me and Matt and Ethan and everybody. Yeah. We'll all be there to start finish line, and we'll have a good beverage and sit by the fire. You know, oh, that's yeah. the best part about a backyard ultra. You don't have to go anywhere, Andrew. You just sit right there and wait on them to come back to you. Yep. 
Well, uh, do you do you have any questions at all for us, or anything that we can do better, other than more podcast issues of you know my and you know last week with Ethan, it took us like five minutes to get the camera working nope. or 10 Dude. um Dude. which which i understand that but for some reason with andrew today it was the microphones and it, not andrew but with the podcast with andrew neither microphone would hardly work and then we got them working then we couldn't hear anybody nope. but we're alive now but any do you have any questions or anything for us or anything we can do better keep it going man yep well, Andrew, we really appreciate your time. And if there's anything we can ever do for you, please reach out. Southern States 200, if you need a pacer, you know, we're not too far from that place. Let yeah, us know. It's right up the road. Bring you a message. And uh, also, we live right beside the pistol course. So yeah. you'll probably see us there at some point. If you see me falling down, just kick me up, pick me up and point me to right. <laughs> Hey, David will give you one of his uh, motivational speeches. Uh, he'll yell at you and, and do all this great stuff, and then you'll be running. I'm not. So I'll, I'll just be up front, Andrew. My motivational speeches include a lot of words that probably shouldn't be on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Matthew's had it a few times. Mm -hmm. Mike's had it a few times. Mm -hmm. I think it really works for them, though. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to let me know. If you ever get one of my speeches, just let me know what you think. Have you have you ever been given one of those speeches, or have you ever gave one of those speeches? Got one or two for my wife before. Oh, nice! In a race? Oh yeah, yeah. She'll grab Man, she sounds she sounds like a good crew person. I like yeah. her. My wife just laughs at me. She what says, "You do this to yourself." <laughs> Is, has she has she been pretty hard on you? Oh, no, she she does. She knows what to say and when to say it. Oh yeah, so, I mean that's what I meant. Like she gives you tough love. That's what I meant. I guess I guess I should have been more clear when I say hard. But she's like she gives you the true hard love that you need, right? Yeah, she'll grab me by the shirt collar and tell me the guy in front of me is an a hole and tell me to get going. Yeah. I love it. That's pretty good. That's the that's the perfect partner to have in a race. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Andrew, Matt, you got any other questions? Uh, no, I think that's it. I know uh, him coming to Pistol. I'm sure we'll be up there, so we'll see him then. Yeah, if we ain't working, I'm sure we'll make our way over to help with something, volunteer, yep. since that's a Brian and Shelly race now, too. So, Henry's, mm -hmm. I'm going out to it to support them. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you'll definitely see us there. Well, Andrew, take care, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, and I'm sure we'll have you on here again at some point. Yep. Thank Bye. you, brother.